what the the other conversation to have with the regulators are. All of this, most of this industry is based on human discretion. And if you want to talk about the ultimate black box, human discretion, when they get to money Monday morning quarterback their own decisions later to a regulator. Welcome to the Insurance Innovators Unscripted, the show dedicated to innovation in the insurance industry. Each episode, you'll get a dose of thought leadership from the industry's top business minds, influencers, innovators, and executive leaders. If you want to transform your corner of the industry and exchange innovative ideas, you need to subscribe to this podcast. Now here's your host, Abel Travis. Hey everyone, welcome to the Insurance Innovators Unscripted Podcast, where we dedicate our discussion to insurance innovation. So this is the second to the last episode of the Insurance Innovators Unscripted Podcast. Now, if you aren't already aware, you know, it has been a great run since 2017, running this podcast and bringing on innovators from across the industry, those either from insurtechs, from carriers, from vendors, and and everywhere in between, agencies and so on, and, and really talking to them about what they're doing to drive innovation in the industry, as well as dropping a lot of thought leadership in regards to the right way to do innovation in insurance. You know, um, I have really enjoyed over the past few years having the opportunity to really talk to folks across the world and, um, you know, uh, you know, just uh, do keynote speeches and uh, participate on panels from countries like uh, in places like, you know, InsureTech Insights in London to InsureTech Connect in Vegas, all the way through to dig in in both Austin and in New York, you know, so it's been a, a really exciting time over the past few years. And, you know, um, I'm uh, hopeful that throughout uh, just doing this podcast and running the podcast that I've had an opportunity to influence and impact many folks from across the industry in their effort and in their journey to innovate insurance and make it a better place to serve our customers. You know, so the last episode is going to air on the 9th, on the 9th of January. So, you know, the older episodes are still going to be up, but hopefully you can still get a lot of those conversations with folks like Matteo Carbone and Sabine Vanderlinden and Daniel Schreiber and you know, um, Jap DeVries and many others that I've had the opportunity to talk to in regards to this great insurance industry. So, you know, with that said, I am going to bring our guest on to the podcast for today. So um, I'm excited to be speaking with Jamie Hale. Now, Jamie is the co-founder and CEO of Ladder Life, a company focused on making life insurance instant, simple and smart and easy. Jamie, uh, it's great to have you on the podcast today. Welcome. Well, thanks, Abel. It's it's uh, great to be with you. All right. So, hey, uh, as as you know, I, I always like to uh, set these conversations up for folks to really get to know you and your background and where you came from. Now, when when I had the opportunity to sort of um, dig into what you've done over time, you know, you didn't necessarily come from insurance, but um, you came from the financial space when you look at things like venture capital, investment and those sorts of things. So, you know, Jamie, if you don't mind, um, help us understand uh, about yourself, where you came from and why you moved into the insure tech arena. Yeah, absolutely. Great, great question. Um, well, you know, I started my life actually out in Boston, uh, born and raised out there, then came out to California in the mid nineties. Um, and, uh, originally worked in product at one of the first, uh, FinTech companies, which was doing online lending. Um, and then after that, uh, it was called NextCard. Um, after that, 
went and worked uh, in investments for a while. And when I was doing that, a lot of my friends would come up to me and ask me, you know, how they can get kind of their financial lives in order. And they were doing great. They're doing all the things they should be doing. They had good jobs and were having babies and getting mortgages. And uh, a lot of people were counting on their income. And they didn't know about life insurance. And they didn't know how to do it. Uh, so I kind of became the guy that kind of helped them through that process. Um, and, you know, it's a, it can be a complex process dealing with agents. And it's a 8 to 15 week process. Uh, and you know, it's hard to understand. It can be pretty opaque. Um, so they always kind of got bummed out cause I've always felt like they're kind of going through a timeshare sales pitch. Um, but I kind of held their hands through it because I'm really passionate about it. Uh, my dad died when I was 11 with a simple life insurance policy, he did exactly what he was supposed to do. Kept me and my mom, my brother and our home around our friends during a really hard time and helped me get, get me through college and business school. So it's, it's a fantastic product. And my co-founder, Jeff, after I helped him through that process, he was um, early at a company called AdMob that was acquired by Google, was at Google for quite a long time, uh, went through this process. You know, we, we really said, you know, there's got to be a little bit of a better way. And that, that led to uh, us starting Ladder and trying to really modernize life insurance for, you know, the next generation of consumer. Yeah, I think that's um, that, that's a great story, you know, especially knowing that uh, what played out in your younger years is really helping you to um, influence the industry going forward um, and um, really touch lives uh, uh, across, you know, your demographic in terms of who you all are targeting. So so, you know, just um, let, let's let, let's take it down that path. Right. So Ladder um, is sort of an innovative life insurance organization. So if you don't mind, you know, talk to me more specifically about what it is um, and, and what's Ladder's value proposition and, and how, um, you know, overall does it align with uh, what you're seeing in life insurance in the traditional sense? Sure. So at Ladder, we offer what are, what are called fully individual, a fully underwritten term life insurance. Uh, so what fully underwritten means is there's three, there's inside term life insurance, there's different types. There's what's called guaranteed issue, uh, which, you know, like whole life can be usually 10 to sometimes 20 times more expensive for the same amount of coverage, usually caps out at a very small coverage amount, 50 or $100,000. There's, um, there's, there's simplified issue, which has a lot less underwriting, um, usually taps out about a million dollars, and usually somewhere between 50% to 200% more expensive. And then there's what's called fully underwritten life insurance, which is what we offer here at Ladder. Um, that's where we take into account everyone's kind of lifestyle and, and health background and give you basically the most cost-effective rates you can find in the industry for anywhere from, uh, from 15 to 30 years. And uh, where we, um, uh, you know, we, because we do that full underwriting, we also can cover really large face amounts. So at ladder, we'll go from a hundred thousand all the way up to eight million. So that's really kind of the core product that most people need. If you're looking to protect your income for your loved ones, you're looking for something that, that lasts for your, for as long as you need to pay off that obligation. So whether that's get it through get get a kid through college, 
or whether that's paying off the mortgage. So you're going to want something that's going to be in place for that full time. So we go up to 30 years and you want something that's going to be as affordable as possible. But before to get fully underwritten, you had to go through this eight to 15 week process with a lot of paperwork, people coming out to your house, um, doing uh, medical exams, sticking you with needles. And we've just replaced that all by doing it all digitally. Yeah, so I want to I want to dig into that because that is my experience, by the way, with life insurance. Uh, it, it has really been somewhat of an of what I would have considered an antiquated process. You know, um, uh, you know, signing up for the coverage that I needed in terms of uh, whatever was needed to support my lifestyle, waiting for a nurse to to come and visit, and you know, take blood samples and health tests and all those sorts of things. Sticking to your point, sticking me with needles in order to get the blood samples, and and then even having to wait after that for the results of everything before I found out um, whether or not I was covered. Um, And even at that point, the limit that I was um, seeking wasn't really that significant of a limit. So I thought there should have been a better way to to, to do that. So, so Jamie, if you don't mind, um, I, I know you mentioned that the process is fully digital. Walk us through what fully digital means as a part of how you all execute on Ladder. Yeah. So what what you'll do is you can come to the Ladder Life website www.ladderlife.com. You can go there and you can get a, uh, you can figure out your needs. There's some great needs calculators. You can figure out how much coverage you should have. And you can get a quick quote so you can figure out kind of how much it's going to cost you. Then you can go through the application process. Um, that's where we ask you some questions about, you know, who you are, your beneficiaries, your, your health background, and, uh, and your uh, and your hobbies, and then what we'll do is we'll go in the background. You'll permission us to um, to check uh, some medical databases on your behalf, and you permission us so that we don't have to send someone out to your house and stick you with a needle. Um, and so you share that data with us. We'll then underwrite uh, you based on that data, and we'll give you an instant offer. So we've taken that eight to fifteen week process and reduced it down to about five minutes. So we're about 20,000 times faster. So if, you know, you're, you know, when you go out and get your mortgage, you're used to rocket mortgage, right? Which is press button and get mortgage, right? Um, life insurance should be the same way. It's a fundamentally awesome product that's great for families and communities. We talk about our mission is helping fund the resilience of families and communities. So we're just trying to really modernize it by using the best of modern technology to really make the experience really easy and simple for the user. And some of the other things we do is we're taking out a lot of wasted costs along the way that allows us to have really cost-efficient prices. Like we're very, we're very affordable, but we also do a 30-day money-back guarantee. We also don't charge any policy fees. By using the best of technology to really make things more efficient, it's great for the consumer because they save money. And it's easier. You can do it from the comfort of your home at 10 o'clock at night. Um, one of my favorite quotes recently was someone who literally bought a pol- bought a $2 million policy while standing in the security line at the airport. Five minutes. Oh, that's that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, you know, I, I want to uh, I want to ask uh, just a, a couple more questions around that that did that digital process. Uh, you know, because as as I look at um, um, multiple insure techs that are looking to um, digitize the life insurance process, there's the front end and the back end. And, and let's stick to the front end for now. Um, you know, so um, are you all also doing things like um, leveraging? 
maybe third-party data um, that might be available on the individuals that's looking for the policy. And then there's also this other element that I know um, it's becoming um, somewhat used more frequent in life insurance, and that's around, um, I think it's, uh, you know, vision analytics, right, where someone could take a picture and, um, and then, you know, that helps to, to feed the algorithms that's determining what the extent of the, the coverage is going to be. Are, are you all leveraging all of that as a part of your underlying platform as well? Um, and, and if not, you know, um, are there thoughts of using those sorts of um, sort of technologies longer term? Sure. We look at all that technology. We specifically don't use um, any technology where uh, you submit uh, uh you submit a, a, a photo, photograph of yourself. Um, those technologies have been proven to have some inherent biases in them that uh, that you really need to be really thoughtful about. And we haven't found that it 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 is uh, helpful for us and actually injects more noise opposed to uh, more signal, a better ability to, to underwrite someone. So we focus really only on data sources that are what are called FCRA. That's a that's an acronym that stands for the Fair Credit Reporting Act. And basically, what that means is for each consumer, what we what data we use on you is what's called dis- disclosable, disputable, and correctable. So any data we pull on you, um, if we make uh, a decision that you don't agree with, you can look at the underlying data and and dispute it. We can disclose it to you, and you can correct it. Um, very much like best practice that's currently done uh, in in consumer credit. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense, and I and I think that actually helps to better define um, the attributes of the person that you're that the, in terms of what we're looking to get coverage for. Um, just in regards to who you're providing coverage for. So, uh, so now with that said, um, I, I do want let, to let's, let's flip to the back end, right? Because, you know, on the front end, it's a digitized process. And um, if you don't mind, you know, so walk us through what it's like to actually have to file for a claim under ladder. Because I know, um, you know, while the front end is digitized, is that a part of the whole process or, or, or are you all executing on that differently? Yeah. So, um, so if you're a ladder, ladder policyholder, so you'll go through this five-minute process of applying, getting underwritten, getting offered a policy, you accepting it, getting bound, and it issued to you. Those are the, those are kind of the, the, the big steps. Once you have that, what's great about ladder is you have an online portal like you would with any of your other, any of your other um, services you have online, you know, whether it's your bank or, or, or your Netflix account. Right? You just go to your account page. And one of the things we have in there is what's called a just-in-case card. A just-in-case card you can print out basically for your friends and for your family, for your loved ones. You can give them a card on basically how to file a claim on your behalf, right? Because if you applied for yourself, you're, you, know, you, you need to have them help to be able to make a claim. You can print it out. You can email it to them. You can include the, the, you know, how much uh, the policy is for or not, but include your policy number and, and some other things that are really helpful for us. Because our goal, partly gives me my background, I mean, I knew it was like before the, um, before the insurance paid, it, we had a real cash flow crunch in, in my family when I was younger. So it's important for us to be able to pay claims really quickly and efficiently. So we want to get that just-in-case card out to your loved ones so that you know, it's, it's really easy to file a claim. The process of a life insurance claim, um, we, we do it really as, 
as fast as it's uh, basically as fast as humanly possible. Um, but the the way you start that process is you you call into our our customer uh, success team, and the first person we hired there, everyone who answers the phone and everyone who works with customers are, are licensed agents. No one's commissioned, but the first agent we hired um, actually has a background in counseling because we wanted to make sure that we were just. We, we want to be there for families and communities, so we want to be really great. Um, so that's that's a little bit about the claims process. Thankfully, most of our customers live long and happy and healthy lives, which is which is wonderful, which is what we want. But we want to be there for families, um, you know, when you know when the unexpected happens. Yeah, and that that absolutely makes a lot of sense. Um, uh, you know, so just to, to to sort of to talk through that, um, you know, you all actually make the process of changing, enhancing coverage and so on really easy. Um, and, um, you know, you, you pioneered, um, uh, which I think is fantastic, sort of a, a quick process um, that, that you all call laddering coverage. So, for example, you know, if, if someone, you know, purchase or, or, or pays off their mortgage or so, they can quickly go on to your um, platform and adjust the the request for a limit with the life insurance to reflect the the fact that the mortgage is, is paid off and and those sorts of things, right? So so you know if, if you don't mind, you know talk to us. And I know I already gave sort of some insights into that, but uh, because I, I find it phenomenal, but 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 talk to us about you know what that is um, and uh, you know why you all have done that because that's different from the rest of the industry and then how that's been perceived today. Yeah, it's very different than the rest of the industry. Um, you know, the concept of life insurance laddering just makes sense, right? Your life is dynamic. Your life changes, right? You have a kid, uh, you have a second kid, your needs go up. You get a mortgage that goes up. You do a good job paying off that mortgage or saving for that kid with their 529 or, you know, paying their way as they go. You just need less. If you could adjust your insurance coverage over time, you can save about 40 to 50% of your premiums. That's a lot of money. So we view of our ability to, to do that, we're just making life insurance more accessible, right? You can have what you need, and as soon as you don't need it, you, at your choice, you can cancel it. And what we do is we then, we then you know, refund your prorated amount instantly. So if you take a, a million-dollar policy and reduce it in half, you, know, you cut your premiums in half right there, right then. Um, and that's really powerful for consumers because they're saving a lot of money. And you know, it's great for us because, you know, if you don't need the coverage, you know, great. Like, we're glad you're with us for that first half a million. And then, you know, if you only need a half a million left, wonderful. Please, please stay with us. But since we use technology, we can do that really cost effectively instantly, right? These are servers talking to the consumer. It's, it's very inexpensive for us to, to do those changes. The traditional industry that has a lot of legacy systems and a lot of legacy processes a lot of those policies won't even allow you to adjust your coverage amount. Or if you do, your premium will only go down only a very small amount. Um, so, you know, you could reduce, you know, we've had customers tell us they've you know, reduced their policy in half and their premium went down by less than 10%. And that's just, um, that's just a shame. It's a shame the industry chose, chose to do that. And, you know, what, by having a good modern technology stack, these are some of the things that are, are flexible. Customers love it. There's, um, it's really neat. You know, a lot of customers come to us because it's a really simple, easy application process. But then they realize, hey, you know, I'm here. I loved it, and it's now easy for me. You know, when I have that second kid, to get that second policy or to grow my coverage. 
So um, we expected actually we'd be seeing more people reduce their coverage over time. What we're seeing right now is a, a lot more customers choosing to, 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 to grow their coverage, which is, which is wonderful. We want to be there for people. Yeah, you know, you know why, uh, Jamie. Well, why I find this um, so exciting? Number one, it's because absolutely what you said. You know, you're you're really helping um, to drive what the customer needs are, but it just provides such a different customer experience based on what customers expect from other industries. And you're taking that and you're bringing it into the life insurance space. You know, um, I, I almost liken it to something like, um, you know, if, if uh, a customer either goes on uh, to an Amazon or, or for, for example, and, and decide that they want to return something. I mean, the, the thought isn't that, hey, I have to keep this forever, right? It's going to be return it and you get almost instantly credited with with what it is right but but that's the experience that people are getting from other organizations and and you're in, in essence applying that to insurance but not only on the, the the downside from a return perspective but also to make it really simple to increase coverage and increase limits based on um, you know the inputs that you're getting uh, from the customer and the data that you're collecting now um, you know the, the only real way to do that is through um, what you all have done and, and it's leveraging more innovative technologies to help you, you all get there now with that said you know um, a, a part of the piece that um, plays into your technical capability as you mentioned a little bit earlier is artificial intelligence um, you know, given that you use AI to drive better decisioning, pricing and changing and so on, um, uh, are, you, are you seeing the real impact of uh, that technology in terms of driving a better customer experience? Absolutely. So you know, one of the things we're really great at is we can um, figure out where people are confused, right? And we can change our website to really help them not be confused and to answer their questions. We also do a really good job at, at um, you know, a, a lot of people want to know kind of what do people like them do? And it's easy for us, you know, AI is very good at like, clustering, right? It's very good at, at helping us, you know, figure out and just say, hey, you know, you have a choice, but, you know, this is what some other people like you do. Um, so that it helps people sometimes just get a little bit more comfortable a little bit more comfort there. Another thing that is really powerful with with machine and machine learning is um, no judgment. Um, you know, we've 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 seen a lot of people, um, you know, choose to be really honest with us because they don't feel like we're 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 judging them uh, because we're not. We're here for you, right? So having and trying to do that in a really inclusive way is, is really important. So one of the things we've, we're really proud that we've done using AI is really grow the amount of um, females we cover. The industry is about, most policies is about closer to 80% male, right? Most of our customers, they're dual income families. The family is counting on both, both, both customers. I mean, both, uh, you know, both breadwinners. So we first started looking at our data we were, it was really surprising to us, but we were, um, we were about 70, 30, 70% male, 30% female. And we've been able to drive that much closer to 50, 50 by using data and seeing how customers interact and are different slightly by gender. This has been proven in other fields. We didn't really think it applied to us in life insurance, but it was really interesting. You know, we, um, ask someone like, are you confident of your life insurance 
like decision process, right? You just want to get this done. You're confident in what you need. Most guys who say that are kind of like, yeah, they're 70% confident. They kind of know what they want, right? When it's a woman who tells you that, she is like 99% confident. At least that's what we've seen in our data. So actually giving them both the exact same treatment, the 99 versus the 70%, actually doesn't serve both the best. So we leverage a lot of the data and data signals and AI to really create um, processes that are much more efficient and easy and really meet kind of everyone's kind of unique needs. Yeah, that is um, th- that, that's amazing, you know, just to see the results. Um, and then also, um, just just based on what you mentioned, um, it, it shows that as a part of how you all are going after this, that there, there's no bias because you, you hear a lot about the bias. I know you mentioned it a little bit earlier with things like leveraging technology like vision analytics and, and you all don't use that. Um, but also, um, you know, when you. Uh, leverage artificial intelligence to help to synthesize information that's being collected. Um, it, it's unfortunate you do see that bias play out in AI algorithms. But it sounds like um, Jamie, what what you're saying is that you know that bias has been um, uh, sort of um, mitigated, right, or or, or muted, um, you know, as as a especially when it comes down to the fact of of gender and and it's not even a thing that. Um, is is playing out in terms of how you all capture customers. So 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 I do think that that's a, a really um, such a positive outcome for this. Um, is there um, is there anything like like any like any tool? It can be used and misused, and you just got to be really like thoughtful and careful about it. You know, we have a really you know we have a wonderful um, a wonderful software engineering and data science team, but we also you know have a great product team, and we're really here. And our mission is about growing that, growing that accessibility. So if you do that, as well as working with compliance and legal review and all this other stuff, you can really leverage these really powerful tools to make it more affordable and more accessible. When you think of, of consumer credit, right, hasn't always had a perfect history, but in general, it's been, it's been better that there's been more, more customers can access credit, right? So you just have to figure out, like, what can we learn from that? What were the mistakes that those people made who went before us and trying to broaden exposure? And how can we make sure we don't, we don't fall into any of those traps? Absolutely, absolutely. Now, uh, you know, you all are backed by um, a relationship with Hanover Raid. Um, so, you know, Jamie, if you don't mind, you know, talk to us about that relationship and why um, you know taking that path was the best option for the, the the product you all wanted to deliver. Sure. So we have two really important insurance partners for us. Fidelity Security Life, they are our issuing carrier, and Hanover Re, and they are our reinsurer. Uh, what reinsurers do is they reinsure insurance companies. And but because of that, they're very um, good at kind of knowing best practice across the industry. So we decided to take an approach of saying, you know, really come at this by, from saying, hey, let's, let's talk to some people who really know kind of best practice in the industry, ask them what is best practice, and then we could use our, our engineering tools to say, how can we implement this practice in a really unique, better way? So um, what that does is it allows us to, to be really cost effective, right? Because um, we want to make sure that we're really offering a great, really competitive price to, to ladder, you know, in our most recent, you know, price comparisons, we were pretty much within a dollar of being the most affordable. If you're between, if you're between kind of 
30 and 40 years old for policies, um, you know, between kind of half a million and, and 3 million in coverage. So we want to make sure we're really cost effective, you know, efficient reinsurers to help do that. Um, you know, they have a really strong like double A balance sheet. Um, FSL is a strong A balance sheet that allows us to, 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 to really, to really do that, but also allows us to, to, um, to leverage those best practices. So they come to the table and say, Hey, here's how some of the best in the industry do it. And we go, great. Here's how we can use, you know, technology to make sure we leverage those best practices in real time. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I think that's, that's, uh, you know, absolutely valuable. I think the other valuable thing that um, an organization like Hanover Re brings and um, just other reinsurers bring in general is, um, you know, access to um, uh, number one relationships or really understanding uh, what some of the regulatory constraints are um, in launching a product like this. So, you know, Jamie, you know, with that said, um, as you all launched your product, did you run into any regulatory challenges or was this um, a, a product, uh, you know, with uh, the, the subject matter expertise like or from a partner like Hanover e that that helped you to, to limit some of those regulatory challenges that I know a lot of other insured techs go to in launching a product like this. So h- how did that play out with your organization? We had, I think, a, in general, a really unique experience. Um, you know, we went out and really proactively communicated with regulators uh, with both, you know, Fidelity, Security Life, and, and, and Hanover Re, and really explained what we were doing. And what's great is a lot of insurance regulators, they love, you know, term life insurance because we're just the pure insurance part of insurance. And we're making it more accessible. We're making it more to, more affordable. And and what's nice is, and we get to tell these stories, you know, literally is an actual story. The same day a customer bought a $100,000 policy from us who wrote us this huge love letter because no one else returned his call, a traditional agent, because the his commission wasn't big enough. This guy was 25. He just got married, runs a lawn care business. His wife's expecting, he wanted to make sure he took care of her, right? The same day, a hedge fund manager in San Francisco bought a $6 million policy from us and got those two customers got the exact same process. Technology allows us to do that, allows us to do it really cost-effectively and really equally. So what happened is, you know, we rolled out on a state-by-state basis. We basically went uh, all 49 states plus D.C. We're not yet in New York. Um, while we're doing that rollout, we actually had other state regulators call us and ask us when we're going to be in their state because they saw that what we're doing is, you know, increasing accessibility, you know, giving everyone a level playing field and doing it really cost-effectively. And just the pure insurance side of insurance, um, uh, it was they, – they hadn't really seen that before. So they've been really great partners. They just want to make sure you're, you know, fully compliant, which is really important. This is important stuff. Uh, and they want to make sure you're, you know, you're really financially sound, you know, financially sound structure. And, they, you know, that as appropriately, they should really look at all that stuff and answer those questions and answer how you're helping make it better. They're, they're kind of all ears. So it's been really different for us. I know a lot of other insurtechs have actually had a, quite a hard time with that. Um, but that's been thankfully different for us. And, you know, and we're having great conversations with the state of New York. So we're, so we're, we're, we're looking, we're looking forward to being nationwide. Yeah, no, that that's um, that it's great that you had that experience. But um, but but I do want to to see if there were some challenges as a part of the overall sort of innovation and startup process. You know, if you don't mind, um, if there are some, uh, you know, t- talk to us about what some of those challenges were, and then how did you overcome those challenges? 
Yeah, I think, you know, some regulators are less comfortable with technology. They don't know it and haven't dealt with it before. And they've heard, they've heard um, some, scary, some, some scary things. Now, sometimes those scary things have been said by, you know, uh, competitors who are not tech forward to try to throw sand in the gears um, of any potential competitor. So I think regulators are pretty smart about that. They know that um, regulation can be used as a, as a competitive moat. And there are definitely some people who, who try to do that. So you have to spend time with regulators basically dispelling misconceptions. And you just need to be really open with that. Um, I think, you know, another challenge is, you know, since, you know, some regulators can feel that, you know, uh, uh, you know, algorithms are a black box. So you got to make sure your algorithms are really explainable, right? They make sense. They're leveraging best practice and they're actually really sound. Um, you know, what the, the other conversation to have with the regulators are, of course, you know, all of this, most of this industry is based on human discretion. And if you want to talk about the ultimate black box is human discretion when they get to money Monday morning quarterback their own decisions later to a regulator. What's nice about computers is it's logged, you know, in real time. It's not something that is open to reinterpretation, you know, later after the fact. And so when you, when you sit there and say, hey, listen, we're moving the industry forward. We're doing this in really responsible ways. You know, here's all the here's all the ways we're thinking about that. You ultimately really can get them there. They want to do the right thing, but they're not going to be um, they're not going to be imprudent about it. They're going to be really thoughtful. So when you go through these review processes, you just have to you have to come with an open hand and and be willing to be willing to engage and be willing to you know um, be willing to deal with head on if there's any misinformation out there. You just got to be willing to deal with that head on and just address it. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So now just um, just thinking about the insurance industry at large. So I know you're um, driving innovation in the life insurance space, um, but we've also been seeing a lot of innovation and transformation play out in, in the PNC space and also in health and, and so on. So, uh, you know, I, 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 I asked this question, um, uh, but I know there's not a crystal ball, but but just knowing what you know and knowing what you've seen as you've been building ladder and as you've been, um, you know, just um, understanding what's been playing out in insurance at large, what are your thoughts around the areas of insurance that um, organizations and carriers should begin to focus their attention um, in the short and long term? So over the next couple of years? I think, I think there's really two big uh, things that I think is really quite, quite remarkable. One is really customer experience. You know, usually I walk around and I'm like bruised up because I go through processes where, you know, you have to draw blood or pee in a cup, right? Because that's the traditional process. And like, we're always benchmarking ourselves on how can we make any process better, but really looking at it from the customer experience, just like we did around females. Why were, you know, this, why were there less ownership in a dual income family for women and lower men, right? Really just focusing on like, what are the customer problems and how can I solve them? And because the industry has really thought of themselves for a long time, purely as quote unquote manufacturers, they're manufacturers of risk products, which has to do with actuarial pricing and legal form filings. Um, that 
world is um, really converging because that's not what consumers want. Consumers want the full experience. Um, so I think that's one place where I think the industry still has a long way to go. Uh, you know, you kind of go down the list uh, on on the PNC side of claims, claims processing, and that, that customer experience is like. And I think the other thing, um, the industry is really, uh, I think they're knowledgeable of it. I just think it's hard because they have a lot of legacy is just leveraging technology to drive down inefficiencies and in operating costs. In a way, they were early adopters of a lot of, you know, compute power 70 years ago. But, you know, the, 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 the largest policy admin system in the life insurance industry still is a, is a, is a program called Life70. That was released the same year, 1969, as the Ford Pinto and the AMC Gremlin. Right? You don't see a lot of people driving those cars around any day, any, anymore saying, this is best in class. Right? They're classics. They're kind of cool to see them, but like you wouldn't want to drive that car every day. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, uh, and to your point, that's where uh, change in terms of uh, underlying technology comes in, right? You know, it's, I, I, I do honestly believe um, across the insurance spectrum that legacy um, technology platforms is what, what's hindering our ability to really drive true innovation in this space, especially if you're leveraging technologies, and you mentioned 70, right, um, you know, from, from that long ago that has um, absolutely no real capability to either integrate or, or get streamlined um, with the, uh, the, the standards of today. Um, now, I know there are ways around that um, in some places, either through, um, you know, leveraging process automation and so on, but, but those things really aren't long-term solutions. They're more of um, uh, interim solutions, tra exactly, transitory technology um, to, to help get there, um, you know, but, um, but there is absolutely an opportunity to, to do that. Um, and in the end, um, my perspective is that that really drives the change in the customer experience. Um, you know, as you start to uh, redesign how things flow, um, uh, in order to align with what the customers are hoping to experience today. Now, now with that said, Jamie, you know one of the questions that I, I always ask, and, and and I like to make sure that what we talk about is is tangible to the listeners that are are listening to the two of us speak. Um, you know, just given the fact that you all have gone down the process of innovating the life space and. Um, and, and so on, you know, if there's someone that's listening and, and if they wanted to really change the status quo and innovate in their own organizations, you know, what advice would you give them in order to be able to do just that? I love that question because like what's great is like insurance is, is, is actually a really noble business, right? It is, we're taking this small probability risk and we're diversifying across this big, big base, we use a market mechanism to do it. It's like, it's, it's really almost a social good. So like there should be a ton of innovation across the space. I, you know, inside organizations, it's always so interesting to me because they have these very deep stovepipe silos in a lot of ways, right? Um, you know, underwriting is very siloed. Actuarial is very siloed. Like there's just a lot, a lot of very siloed thinking because there's been a lot of specialization. People have built their careers around that specialization. So what... I think is really interesting is a lot of just trying to find your peer in that other specialty and just start to cross collaborate. How do you think about the problem internally? How can we start doing some stuff that's going to ultimately end up driving down costs, taking out waste or 
or helping customers, you know, because we've come together and really talk about these problems. Like we're going to get really unique insights. And if I just live in my silo of, of underwriting or on, uh, you know, agency management or, you know, you kind of go down the list. So one of the things, you know, we do, we're a small company still, it's way easier for us, but, you know, we even invest in that. We do some cultural things where, you know, we randomly assign, we buy lunch on Wednesday for the whole company and we randomly assign people into groups and it's totally random. It's by, of course, we're a technology company, it's by a bot. Um, and, but we want to make sure those people are out there talking to each other. So if we have the more senior leadership listening to this podcast too, like do some things culturally that really benefit this kind of cross collaboration culture. You're all in one striving towards the same goal, right? Like figure out how to get people working together. Um, that's one thing that it's been, been a little, you know, a little shocking to me is, is, uh, is, is, is a, in a way how, how little of that happened. So, uh, I'm, I'm hoping that there's going to be more. Yeah, I, I think that's that's great advice. Um, and, um, you know, I always um, I, I like to take that even a step uh, further. Right. Because you're right. There are silos within the organizations um, where we where people are you know working within their own, I guess, swim lanes and and almost with blinders on. Right. That um, unfortunately doesn't let them see what's happening in other places. But even when you look within industry, um, you know, people are really focused on what they're doing in their own industry and they're not looking at and seeing what others are doing in, in, in other industries. And, and what I always say is, you know, innovation is um, a collision of ideas between different people, thought processes, industries and so on. So you can easily take something from, let's say, uh, maybe healthcare and then apply it to financial services or insurance and apply it to another um, and, and, and get really value. So breaking down those, uh, get a lot of value out of it. So breaking down those silos, um, I, I think is important to helping us get there. So um, I, I think that is great advice, Jamie. So, you know, um, with that said, uh, I, I want to thank you. You know, I think this was a, a really great conversation. And, um, and I know those that are listening are going to get uh, a lot of value out of what you have to say here today. Um, I know folks are going to want to continue the conversation with you. So what's the best way for them either to learn more about Ladder or to get in contact with yourself or your team? Sure. I think the best way is to go to um, ladderlife.com. You can, you can check out what we do, how we talk to our customers. You can get a policy yourself. Um, that's probably the best way. I'd say the best way to get in touch with me and to follow us is follow us on Facebook and, and Twitter. And, uh, and that's that's probably uh, the best way. Great, great. Well, Jamie, hey, once again, uh, thank you for your time today. I really appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to continuing to follow what you all are doing with Ladder Life. Hey, well, th thanks, Beatrice. I really, I really enjoyed my time together. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Insurance Innovators Unscripted Podcast. There's one more episode left after this, and it has really been a pleasure to serve the insurance industry and help you all understand what's been happening in this world of innovation and what's been going on in InsureTech. So on January 9th, it's going to be the last episode. So tune in then so you can hear the final guest on this podcast. So thanks for listening and I'll see you then.